what they went through and then maybe how it changed them the day of Pentecost for their life and how that manifests in us and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to kind of kind of preface this thing today with this is probably our last Holy Spirit job description. Anybody ever had a job? When you had a job, did they hand you a job description? If they didn't hand you a job description, you were pretty much lost, right? And so the Holy Spirit has a job description written in the scriptures. And so we've talked about him being a counselor, him being a helper, him being a comforter, him being those kind of... And this is his last job description. This is his last place of job description. The next few sermons after this will be more into how he manifests himself in our lives. But I wanted to kind of finish this up with job description. And I want to start with the story in John... going to go to John 20. I'm sorry, John 21. Now, let me preface this part of the scripture we're going to read. Jesus has rose from the dead. The disciples have seen him. Thomas has touched him. He's been ministering to him. He's talking to him. And then one day, Peter, being the great man of God he was, Always putting his foot in mouth, doing things kind of backwards, but he's the kind of guy I can recognize. Decided, I'm going to go back to fishing. And so in 21, starting with verse 1, he talks about after these things, he decided he was going to go back fishing. So he goes to fish, and Jesus comes, and he makes bread. I mean, he starts cooking fish on the side, calls him in. Peter swims ashore. And Jesus does something to Peter in that he restores him by asking him three questions. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And so three questions of whether or not Peter loves him goes against the three parts of Peter denying him. But then Peter, being Peter, is trying to figure out what's going on, and so he asks a question down in uh, verse 20. It says, Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Now, in scripture lots of times they did not talk about themselves like if I wrote a book I would say Antony did this so they wouldn't say that they would give some description of themselves so it says saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following and that's the guy that wrote this book that's John so he's writing about himself but he's writing in that kind of a third person so that thing now I think it's kind of interesting that John wouldn't put his name in here but he would make himself the most loved by Jesus you know I mean that just seems kind of backwards to the thing but anyway that's what it is who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and asked Lord who is it the one that betrays you Peter seeing him said to Jesus but Lord what about that man what about this man what about John there always seemed to be this thing between Peter and John you know Peter and John seemed to have this ongoing there was three favorites there was Peter James and John they always got to do the things with Jesus John was the most loved and it seemed like Peter was always the one that was most messed up. He was the one that Jesus would rebuke. He was the one that Jesus would chastise. He was the one that said, you're going to betray me. And so he's looking at John, and he's like, what about him? Aren't you going to get on to him? We were both fishing. I mean, that's the way I would take it. You know, did anybody have siblings? Right? Mom and dad start getting on to you, what would you say? But they did it too. 
Why do you do that? To share the blame? To deflect the punishment? Maybe the arms be wore out by the time they got to your spanking, right? You know, that's what I would do. I'd put Shane under the bus so that he gets the spanking first. That way, by the time they got to me, they were tired and anger was all gone on Shane and, you know, all that stuff was gone and I'd get the most, you know, I would just go on back to bed, whatever, you know, whatever, get away from it, right? So he's looking at John and he says, what about this guy? But it's a human nature quality of all people in that we love to compare ourselves. Righteousness is based upon comparison before the Holy Spirit. I'll prove it to you. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is preaching the Beatitudes. One of his big sermons. He's telling people what they've got to do, what they can't do, and all this stuff. And then right in the middle of chapter 5, verse 20, he slips this in. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you aren't better than them in righteousness, then you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is that? That's human nature of comparison with one another. It's the old joke about the two guys hiking in the woods. They run up on a bear. You've heard this one, right? And the one guy starts tying his shoes, and he says, What are you tying your shoes for? The bear's coming. He says, I don't have to worry about how fast the bear is. I've got to worry about you. i just got to be faster than you. Right? That's the kind of that ideal. We think in our human nature, as long as I'm better than Jason, I'm okay. We pick out somebody, and we say, as long as I'm better than that person, then that's the red line. That's, that's the cutoff line. Anybody ever played baseball or something like that in the schoolyard, and they start picking people? What did you want to not be? Last one picked. Why? Because that means everybody else on the playground feels like they are all better than you. You want to be first picked or middle picked, at least. You don't want to be the bottom half. It's the, kind of that middle thing. As long as you're in the top half, you're, you're doing good. We just had the NFL draft. What does all these guys want to be? They want to be drafted in the first seven rounds if they're not, but there's a lot of players that make it that aren't that. But it's that, that's that red line. We make this red line. And we create this, and Rebecca's wrote a really good book that hasn't been published, that she's trying to get published. But if you want a copy of it for $9.99 today and only installments of payments of $10.44 a week, no, I'm just kidding. If you want a copy of her book, it's unpublished. She could just print off some stuff for you. But it has a thing, a chapter about the red line, the punishment line. We believe that there's some line that if we can exceed this righteousness level, if we can exceed this place of life, then we're okay. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You have a line that you say, I don't, if I go below that, I feel bad about myself. If I stay above it, I'm okay with myself. And that red line, we judge each other on it. Well, you know how Jason is. He's below the red line. He's below punishment. You know, Joshua, okay, yeah, he's right on the red line, you know, whatever. Dan, he's above the line. So if I can get above Dan, I'll be in the top half, but I don't want to be in the bottom half with Jason, right? We make those lines, and we create those lines, and that's what Peter is doing right here. He's looking at John, and he's like, you're getting on to me again. I'm the one you're always picking out. What about this guy? What about John? He was doing the same thing I was doing. What about him? Why aren't you... 
It's that red line, that comparison. We compare ourselves to one another. But when the Holy Spirit comes, there's something that happens. So let's go back to John. John 16. No, but John 16 now. I was just going back to John, sorry. Not John 21, John 16. And we're going to start reading with verse 5. But now I go away to him who has sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And here's the part that changes with the Holy Spirit came. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me and of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes... It's not about the laws that are written on tablets. It's the law written on our hearts. He says he will write the laws upon our hearts. So I cannot compare myself to Jason. I cannot compare myself to Joshua, the red line and below the red line. I can't compare myself to the above the red line. I can't do that because if I do that, it's not about what the Holy Spirit's done to me. It's about what man has put on me. I've got to compare myself to what the Holy Spirit is writing on my heart and is convicting me of doing. Now, he may say, you know what? It's okay for Jason to do this. It's all right. Jason is doing what he's supposed to do because the Holy Spirit has written on his heart, this is what he's to do. I cannot judge him. Judge not lest you be judged. It's because of this principle. I cannot compare myself to him because I'm like, okay, well, you know what? <sighs> Jason sells insurance. And we just know insurance salesmen are just way below the red line. Preachers are way above the red line. They are so awesome, right? We would do something like that. Or we'd look at, you know, Jesse. Well, you know what? Jesse just got baptized. He's got to be the most righteous of us all, right? Because he's really clean. He's only had a week to mess up or two weeks to mess up now, right? You know? We, it's, it's not that. It's what is the Holy Spirit convicting of you in your heart about what you're doing. Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not put more on you than you can handle. That's what the Scripture says. He does not. So he's not going to come down and change everything in my life in one minute. He's not going to blast away. These are all the things that you've done wrong because that's what Satan does. He brings condemnation. He does not bring conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. So he may start working one area of my life. You know what, Tony, in your life, you're not doing right in relationships. You need to work on relationships. Now, does it mean it's a sin for y'all to not work on relationships? No. It's a sin for me to not do what the Holy Spirit convicts me of doing. I need to work on relationships. He might tell Jason, Jason, I need you to work on, I don't know, integrity. Okay? I need Joshua to work on being a husband and a father. 
And if he's not, if he's working on integrity and, he's work, I, and Jason's working on relationships and I'm working on being a husband and father, I'm not necessarily doing what the Holy Spirit is convicting me to do. And we can compare one another and put that red line out and put people up above it and below it and we're not following the Holy Spirit. We're following the rules before the Holy Spirit, which is your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, do you really want to be in a place where you have to obey all the laws to get into heaven? Because that's what their righteousness was based upon. Or do you want to be in a place where the Holy Spirit convicts you one at a time of the things you need to work on, and you work on that thing, and then when the Holy Spirit thinks you've got that worked out, He will give you another task to work on and bring bite-sized goals. See, if the, if the Holy Spirit had came into my life and told me everything I was doing wrong back some... 50 years ago, 49 years ago right now, I guess, when I got the Holy Spirit, if he had told me everything I was doing wrong then as a nine-year-old child, I would have given up because there's no way I could do it. At 57, he's still working on me. Just ask my wife and kids. I still have problems. Things still happen. Still places that the Holy Spirit needs to work on me. And you may look at it and it's like, that's no big deal. So what if you speed? Ralph and I was coming back the, the other day, and this lady ran a red light. I had a turn signal. She had a red light. She ran it. And I was screaming and hollering at the door. When I? I was like, hey, woman, woman. Ralph's like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? I'm like, it's not you. I'm just screaming at that lady. Of course, the windows are rolled up. Her windows are rolled up. She has no idea I'm screaming and hollering. But you know what? The Lord has, what, convicted me that that is a sin so I must work on it for Ralph he could holler and scream at somebody who was running a red light it'd be alright you know whatever it would be see it's not based upon the laws of man it's based upon the law of the spirit for you God knows that Becca's called to ministry so he's working in her a different way than he's working in Ashley or Anna or Doris right He's working differently in her than he's working in me. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's a very individualized plan. Now, I'm trying to lose weight again. I don't know if you've noticed, but my belly's getting a little bigger. It's all the chocolate peanuts and stuff I've been eating again. So I got down to a pretty good weight with LT360. Got myself down to about 153 pounds. Did not like myself. I was too skinny, too weak. So I was bumping myself back up to... 175, 176, that's when I felt the strongest, you know, I could do. At 153, I couldn't do two chin-ups. That's crazy. At 176, I could do 10 to 15 chin-ups. So I'm like, I want to go back to 176. Well, in life, you always overshoot. I don't know about you, but have you ever done that? So I just passed right on through 176 and headed up into 180s, you know. And so I'm in one like 189. I'm trying to stay out of the 190s. I got to stay out of those 190s, you know, whatever. And so I've been going to my coach, my LT360 coach, and say, hey, I'm doing the five for Thrive, except every now and then a chocolate-covered peanut or something like that every now and then. But, you know, I'm pretty much staying on. I've got my calories at the right place. I've got everything going. What's going on? I'm, and it just keeps going. It keeps going. And so the other day, she says, you know what? I think you need to individualize your thing. So she sent me an email of what I needed to do. Now, it's not what I did back in the beginning because now I'm having to watch some kind of fats and some kind of carbs and some kind of whatevers and 
doing all this stuff. It's really crazy nonsense thing stuff. But you know what? I actually in this last month doing my individual program, I didn't lose any weight, but I gained muscle. If I gain muscle, I know I will lose weight. And I'm like, it's not much different except she just tweaked a couple of numbers because she looked at my body type. Then they had me come in and do blood work the other day, which I hate blood work. I cannot stand it. I can't. I don't pass out like Shane, but it sure don't make me feel good when they give me shots, right, you know? And so they took out five vials of blood to go do this blood work for me. And then they called me back a day or two later and said, we need two more because two of them must have gone bad. I don't know how bad blood goes, but I got to go back and give two more. And so they gave me my blood work. And so they went through, they had done, how many, 80-something, 60-something final? I don't know, it was crazy. Crazy amount, individualized. And so they looked at it and they said, okay, here's your problem. You've got a bad liver. Duh, I've known that all my life. But here's what we're going to have to do to change how you do your liver. Oh, and by the way, did you know you have an infection in your body somewhere? Like, no, didn't know I had that. They said, yeah, you're sh showing that you have a small infection in your body. But your immune system's really good, so we need you to get rid of your infection. Okay? So, hey, by the way, you've got this thing where you've got a lot of iron in your blood. So he told me to get some leeches. No, he didn't tell me to get leeches. <laughs> he says, you need to have, you need to, the only way you can do he said, that's hereditary. You have a lot of iron. So he says, the best way to do it is give blood twice a year. And I'm like, I hate getting stuck taking the little vials out. You want me to give a whole quart gallon thing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but see, they individualized it. Now, if you went and got it and they took your blood, your blood wouldn't be like my blood. My DNA is different than your DNA. Your RNA is different than my RNA. I don't know what all those are. You know, it's three letters, right? So you've got something different. In your life, the Holy Spirit also has the same thing for you in your spiritual walk. He knows where you're going. He knows what you need, and he wants to work on you individually. But we, like Peter, want to walk around and compare ourselves. We want to say, you know, I feel good. I feel good about myself because I am so much better than Dan. Right? I'm so much better than Shane. I'm so much better than, you know, whoever you want to compare yourself with. And it was funny, as I was telling Rebecca what I was going to do on the sermon last night, and then we got to talking about something, and, and I was like, man, I just can't really, st it was about preachers, and I'm like, I really can't stand that preacher. I can't really stand the way they do certain things. I just can't, and about halfway through my thing, I was like, stop comparing yourself to other persons. I was feeling really good about myself. I'm like, you know, I'm so much better than that other preacher, you know, because I don't take up tithes and offerings, you know. I don't, you know, they're back in the back, and people drop them off. I'm, but I'm not begging you for money. Hey, I'm so much better than him. That's just a red line I will not cross, right? You know, but that's not what God calls. God says, you know what, Tony Lee, you have a specific plan. That pastor has a specific plan. I cannot compare pastors to pastors. I cannot compare people to people. I cannot compare anybody. I can't be Peter. I'm on this side of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting me of my sin. He's showing me judgment on what I need to be judged on. He's showing me what path I need to walk to make my life what it needs to be. If I compare myself, I'm jumping back into my righteousness is based upon meeting some red line of punishment. And I know God won't punish anybody below this red line, above this bread line. And that's the way the Pharisees walked. If I keep the rules, I do the Sabbath, 
I don't work, I don't do this, I don't do that, then God's going to not punish me, and I'm going to go to heaven. No, that's not the way it is. We're under something called grace. We're under something called mercy. That means the Holy Spirit works with you as an individual on a time basis. He knows how long I'm going to live. And he knows where I need to be when I die. I need to listen to him as I walk my path and do what I need to do to get to the right place. My walk will not work, look like your walk. I don't drink alcohol because I have a bad liver. I knew when I was growing up as a kid, dad's family had a terrible time with alcoholism. He didn't drink any alcohol. I don't drink any alcohol. When I married Rebecca, she drank wine. Her family drank wine. She quit basically because she knew that I didn't, right? And I wouldn't buy it. No, that's not true. She buys all the groceries. She can buy whatever she wanted to. But she doesn't do it because she realizes what our family has to stand on because of that. Now, do I say that's the red line? I will not drink. You know, there's some people that say if you drink any wine, you will not Go to heaven. I mean, they're even so much so in saying that at the Lord's Supper, they drank grape juice. You know? That Jesus, when he turned water into wine, he just made some really fine grape juice. You know, that's how, that's how strong they got with that. That's the red line. They're living to the red line. They're comparing themselves to that thing. That's not it. Now, I cannot judge somebody else that drinks wine. I can't look at Dan and say, oh, you're drinking wine. You're going to hell. It's not going to make it. You know, I can't do that because the Holy Spirit's working on my life, in my heart, on my spot. For me, I cannot drink wine. I cannot drink beer. I cannot drink whiskey. I cannot drink because that's what the Lord convicts me of. My son, back in the back, believes that God has called him not to eat corn syrup of any kind. You know how hard it is not to get something with corn syrup in it nowadays? You buy for him, yeah, for the youth group. I mean, it's terrible, right? At our house, we got a uh, wheat allergy, a tomato allergy, and he doesn't eat corn syrup. We just eat cardboard around my house. <laughs> but he, it, it's not that he's allergic to it. It's just that he feels like God is leading him as the Holy Spirit. Now, my daughter had, eats corn syrup, like, what, every waking hour? You, he, she's eating some kind of corn syrup thing. I can't judge that he's not eating corn syrup, so he is so much better than my daughter. No, it's what God has called him. So I help him not eat corn syrup. I get her corn syrup. <laughs> but there are things that she has. Today, she was asking me, can I wear these clothes? Can I wear these clothes? Can I wear these clothes? That's what God has called for her. I've never had Braden come in and say, are these shorts too short? <laughs> because that's not what the Lord is working on them in, right? So just as we raise children, I cannot make my I raise my children separately. Each kid has a different personality, a different talent. The rules stay the same, but how I work in them and the rules changes. The same goes for us with the Holy Spirit. The rules are the same. We all live under grace and mercy, but we work differently to get to that place of grace and mercy in our life. The Holy Spirit is what does it. He works in us, in our heart. So the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, stopped all comparison. 
We cannot compare ourselves to one another. And I know it's hard because it's human nature. We judge ourselves and we judge others based upon some kind of red line, some kind of punishment zone, some kind of place we put others in. And we can't do it because the Holy Spirit is here to say, hey, Jesse, this is what I want you to do. Hey, Jason, this is what I want you to do. And don't let anybody judge you based upon what the Holy Spirit says. You know how many people have tried to get me to drink? Ah, that's okay. It's all right. I mean, you can't go to college without somebody trying to get you to drink because they want to feel better about themselves because if they get the preacher's kid to drink, they can feel better about themselves because he's come down and the red line's lowered down below them. Right? And so some people will try to judge you and try to bring you down to their red line so that they can feel better about themselves. It happens in church. It happens in the world. It happens in families. It happens at Walmart. Whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask or go right way down the aisle, going the wrong way down the aisle. Remember all that stuff, right? Because in the Holy Spirit kingdom, we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Be sensitive to the Spirit and do what God has called us to do and walk in the way. The rules don't change, but the Holy Spirit works with each one of us differently to get us to that place. Because if we had to just change everything about ourselves like that, I don't know about you, but I don't have enough willpower and grit to get that far. And the Holy Spirit knows me. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows the number of days in my life. And he will work me through the process as long as I am willing and I work through the process to get me to where I need to be every day, every week, every month, every year for a lifetime. And that's the, what the Holy Spirit is for us. No other generation before Jesus had that ability. We take it for granted sometimes. But it's the grace and the mercy that Jesus brought us because he went away, he gave it back to us. And so today it's my privilege to get to baptize somebody that has made the decision that he wants to do what God has called him to do to get right. So Trayvon is going to do baptism. So we're going to do his baptism now. And so... Uh, you want to get ready, Trayvon? I think the water's ran. It's up there ready to go. But I want to tell you that I want to invite, if anybody here wants to get baptized today, when we're done, we will do the baptism uh, for you as well. Uh, I don't have any clothes for you to change into, but you know it doesn't bother me if you go home wet. It hasn't yet. But uh, I think it's a good place for you to be. So we're going to get him ready. So you want to kick your shoes off and kick your stuff, and let's get up here and do your baptism. And so, uh,